Welcome to Fix Me a Drink. I'm Noah Rothbaum, Lady Or's Head of Cocktails and Spirits. Joining me as always is my colleague and co-host, David Wondridge. How are you, Dave? I'm doing great. Yourself? I am happy to be doing this again with you. Back in the saddle again, Noah. Back in the saddle again, talking about cocktails and spirits. And today we have a very special show, fascinating topic about Hollywood and bartending. Part of what kicked this off, I think, is, you know, even though, you know, Hollywood and plenty of bars and so it's always been for years and, you know, lots of drinking in, in movies, you know, even the first. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> it doesn't always translate onto the screen. Right. Our text for the day is is a great example of that. And, you know, we'll elaborate it with our guests who we'll introduce in a minute. Our text comes from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram in Fort Worth, Texas, November 2nd, 1930. And it's a review for a movie that, I, as far as I can tell, doesn't exist anymore, called For the Love of Lil. Love of Lil. Uh, Lil is, you know, marries this guy, Sandy, and things are a little rocky. Lil, Lil is a little nuts, and uh, Sandy uh, can't stand up to her, et cetera, et cetera, until at the end of the movie, he drinks a French 75, and it's called a French 75 in the movie, which, as we know, is a champagne drink, right? Right. Basically gin, uh, sugar, lemon juice, champagne. Occasionally cognac. And it goes back to the late 20s in America. But this, so this is one of the earliest mentions of the drink, and... Uh, the review says Sandy, the uh, characters acting after downing a French 75 made up of, among other things, champagne, Benedictine, tequila, white mule, absinthe, and whatnot, is a whole show in itself. Wow. Wow. Now, okay. It's like a whole bar. That's what that's Hollywood that. does with cocktails. <laughs> it's not a real French 75. Even, right. if, you know... They got the idea that a French 75 is a cocktail jacked up with a little champagne, but then they just threw in every every goddamn thing in the world. Well, you, you could hear like some director like, what else can we add? What else would look yeah, good? Yeah, like, throw it in. Throw tequila, it in. Nobody drank tequila in Hollywood at the time or hardly right. anybody. White Mule, come on. No, that was a, it was all a joke and they just didn't take it seriously. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that that kind of informs the history of, of Hollywood and, and mixology and Hollywood and bartending in general. No, I hear you. Well, it is interesting. And we have two excellent guests joining us today who both know uh, a lot about bartending and uh, also about pop culture. Our, our dear friend Jeffrey Morgenthaler from the brand new Portland, Oregon bar, Pacific Standard, also the author of several books. Bar book is is an absolute classic, you know, his, his book of cocktail technique. That's the one they should be reading in Hollywood. Absolutely. And then also Drinking Distilled, which uh, came out a couple of years ago. And then we also have our other good friend, Eric Alprin from LA's famous Varnish Bar, who was also the author of the new book called Unvarnished, a gimlet-eyed look at life behind the bar, where he talks a lot about actually his experiences in Hollywood as a former actor himself, bartending and learning the craft of bartending and society and culture in LA and Hollywood, which is very unique, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. And then, of course, for your listening pleasure, 
the drink of the episode. We picked one, of course, from where else? Hollywood. Hollywood. It is the Moscow Mule, which sounds like it might come from somewhere else <laughs> for Russia. Actually hails from right there, from sunny California. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll talk about the, the the history a little bit later and the origins of this drink, but it is a, a Hollywood drink and uh, it's very simple. You put a couple ounces of good vodka into a into a tall glass on the rocks. Uh, squeeze half a lime in there. Drop the, uh, the the drop the squeezed out shell in, and fill it up with good ginger beer. Give it a quick stir, and bang! If you got a copper mug, even better. So it's a delicious drink, very refreshing. Um, but we'll be mixing up a couple ourselves during the episode. If you would like to join us or have one later, please feel free. And uh, we'll, of course, put on uh, <laughs> Dave is mixing the ice right now. All right. We'll put the recipe um, online as well. And uh, in a minute, we'll get our friends Jeffrey Morgenthaler and Eric Alperin on the line. Welcome, Jeffrey and Eric, to the show. Nice to see you both. Hey, gentlemen. Hi. Hello. The idea for this episode actually occurred from a tweet that you made, Jeffrey. Refresh my memory. This was back in June. You uh, you tweet often, so I took a screenshot. <laughs> you said, while I quote, while I did enjoy the new Top Gun, I gotta mm. say I wish studios would hire a real bartender to coach actors behind the bar. Watching uh, Jennifer Connelly pour a beer was the least realistic thing in the whole movie. I'm still thinking about it. Oh, my God. And I, too, was thinking about it. So I um, went to see the movie to see what mm -hmm. you were talking about. There is a lot of incredible dogfighting, right? There's all yes. kinds of amazing Mach 10, you know, jets. And mm -hmm. then there's about a 10-second scene where Jennifer Connelly's character, who now owns the bar, that's this isn't giving away anything to folks who have not seen the movie yet. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> she bought the bar. I know that's it. You don't even want to see the movie anymore. She bought the bar that they all hang out in San Diego. Tom Cruise's character comes in, Maverick. Mm -hmm. He is drinking a beer. She goes to get him another one. I assume this is what provoked your ire, Jeffrey. I wouldn't say ire. Just I was just crawled out of my skin for a half a second. All right. So so she picks up his empty glass, turns to the tap. You don't see the mm -hmm. glass. Turns back. It's fully poured. And there's like no head to the beer, which clearly somebody off camera has handed her a fully poured beer instead of actually working the tap that that is that is that is what you objected to i assume it's so funny that you that's what you took away from it the the, the, the thing that like really irked me was the um two things the <laughs> <laughs> grabbing the very uh top of the tap handle eric knows about this like you know the first time you poured a beer on tap like you grab the very top of the tap handle instead of the bottom of the tap handle like you're leaving and, a bathroom and you're like i'm gonna find yeah, a place that people yeah don't touch. just like, like sort of gingerly slowly pulling the tap open and then the filling the beer like three quarters of the way full got it was uh, i was just like it just like crawled out and it was like it was like <laughs> that was the thing it was like you know if you gave any bartender that had been doing this for 
a week uh, $500 and said, come in and show, teach our, our actor how to pour beer properly. They could have done it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like they, you know, it's like they spent like trillions of dollars on like real fighter jets, and right. no CGI, and like renting like an aircraft carrier and all this shit. Right. And then it was like, you couldn't grab like just some kid off the street in San Diego and say, Hey, can you show us how to pour a beer? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you should bring up that idea because our friend here, Eric for a movie in 2011, right. Called crazy, stupid love. Yeah. Starring one Ryan Gosling, according to a story, um, by our colleague Robert Simonson in Esquire, he talked to you about how you had coached Ryan about making an old fashioned for that movie. And and for the sake of our podcast episode, I rewatched that scene yesterday. And sure enough, Ryan Gosling makes one hell of a good old fashioned in that movie. It, it may be one of the best bartending scenes in recent filmmaking <laughs> and it's thanks to you eric i knew that gig would come back to haunt me so, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad i'm glad it worked well no just yeah. you know the, the, the company that i'm in this morning is uh is is, is exciting and 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 uh, it's it can be done it can be done and you know what's so cool about it is that you know i mean not to get nerdy about what makes acting a wonderful trade is that acting is doing and and you know there's many actors like take marlon brando for instance that loves props and loves doing things you know and like sometimes busy work that allows the action to move forward and when you see amazing fighter jets and people sailing boats or riding motorcycles and then they can't do the simple thing like pour beer it's a little infuriating uh, the thing that was cool about working with Ryan is that he lived downtown. He would come to the Barnish, and I met him under the auspices of he was just uh, obviously a movie star, but living downtown, and he liked cocktails, and he would come in often. Um, it wasn't until I don't know, like a, a month in, that he mentioned that he was you know, doing this movie, and then he would like some help working on you know a couple of cocktails, and, and would I be open to that? And, and I was. And so he came in with a uh, good friend of his, a guy named Chris Angulo, and we did a we did a day session at the Varnish. Um, I had him behind the bar and we were you know, going over how to make two cocktails. One was an old fashioned and the other was uh, a honeysuckle, which mm-hmm. he affectionately named because he loved it so much and would make it at home. Uh, the honeysuckle rose, so just a honey daiquiri. And uh, he practiced the hell out of those for like a couple months. Uh, I remember taking him to Barkeeper. Uh, we got him some equipment. So then he had all this, you know, this bar gear at home. And and um, for you know, a good six months, I was just hanging out with Ryan Gosling's at his house with his buddies. And he would make drinks. So cool. It was pretty cool. It was pretty neat. Um, but, you know, I wasn't I wasn't hired. Uh, by a, a studio or or asked to come in on set for a couple hours. It was a very method kind of thing. He he just kind of went all method and then he would come in obviously uh, when we were open and, and when we were slow because it was early days of the varnish. He would, you know, he would watch the bartenders and then jump back behind the bar. Uh, the, the ride story beyond just him learning how to make an old fashioned is, is very special for a lot of the veterans there because we had um, you know, we had a few actresses there who now have these really wonderful careers, but 
they they worked on some um, some musical reviews with Ryan because at the time Ryan had a band, uh, so it, it was it was it was neat for the entire staff. I mean, listen, nobody likes the term star fucking, and that's definitely what it wasn't. Uh, he came in and became a friend of the bar, and in that uh, in that process, learned how to make a few drinks and share his time with us. I will, if we can go back just for a moment, you said something very interesting about actors that you know they they enjoy the business. Right. Mm. And, you know, they, they would probably I, I'm sure it's not just Ryan Gosling. Many of them would welcome like learning this stuff. And I think of that really old Charlie Chaplin bit from uh, the rink in 1916. And it's famous where he's playing a bartender. And you see that he's like actually watched bartenders very, very closely. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the way he moves the tools, you know, he's like he's got the glass on tin shaker. And he's 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 joking around. He's like he cracks the egg into the drink and does it really well. And then he throws in the shells. Okay, bartenders don't do that. But the movements that he's making. It's like that skit in Portlandia. The one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A gallows. Yeah. 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 Yeah, But it's it's super bartenderly, you know, and it's like, okay, I mean, that's Charlie Chaplin, the greatest maybe the greatest physical comedian of all time, although Buster Keaton would kick my ass for saying that. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, it's still, it's it's something that, that you could see, like, if they did, if the industry did have, like, uh, consultants and coaches and a, and a whole structure of, like, that, like, they've got with any other goddamn thing, like guns, cooking, uh, whatever. Horseback yep. riding. Yeah, horseback riding. Well, even what Hollywood now does with like intimacy coordinators, and a lot of that is for safety in the wake of the Me Too movement. But still, my well, my my um, my sister in law is actually an intimacy coordinator. She's also an actor. But what's interesting is it's not just to keep the actors comfortable and safe. They also now start talking about orchestrating really steamy, very uh, very interesting um, intimate scenes. Uh, and to what you were saying, it's like I went to school as an actor and, and uh, I remember loving the idea of having um, an activity uh, uh, or a prop. I mean, there was a great article in the New York Times, Meryl Streep, about her. I don't know if you saw it, but about her, her glasses acting. Like she has mm-hmm. so many roles where she's acting with her glasses and it's such <laughs> an easy trick, but she does it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think actors really relish that. and. I don't know. I, I, I think maybe somebody like Jennifer Connelly or maybe in the moment didn't realize the opportunity that was there. But I think that's why you need a keen set of eyes that goes like, you know what? I used to work in a beer bar. If it's the if it's the grip or the AD mm-hmm. or the director and goes like, you know, let's let's make that real. Because then there are going to be people like us getting together on a Monday, Tuesday morning talking about how it totally pulled us out of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I have this theory that up until recently, right, a lot of actors had been bartenders, right? Because they Mm -hmm. were trying, you know, bartending was kind of this fallback gig where you do it between jobs or as you're developing your career, you'd you'd work as a bartender. And now, thanks to, to, I'd say, a lot of your hard work, folks now in our industry, this is what they want. Like, this is the career that they're training for. Right. Mm-hmm. This isn't a fallback anymore. And it's this is the only thing that they've trained for so that it's no longer people who are between jobs or 
who want have their eyes on some other prize but this is the prize and they're taking it very seriously which means that a lot of actors i don't know what they do in between acting gigs or as they're building their resume but it's not bartending anymore at least not in craft cocktail bars well you know what's interesting though is that i do meet in the varnish for example and and uh, i'm sure jeffrey has similar stories but you meet a lot of I mean, you meet a lot of artists and in L.A., sure, you meet a lot of Hollywood mm-hmm. types. I remember early days before the varnish was open, uh, Dave Dave would talk to me, Dave and Dale would both talk to me about, you know, well, you're going to get, you're going to get Hollywood types in the bar. Does that sound interesting and fun? And actually, <laughs> I could hear old Dale Dugroff saying that, like uh, the mm-hmm. father of the rebirth of the cocktail. Oh, yeah. He, uh, well, you know, obviously he spent uh, time out here. but um, Also, he was an actor for a long time as well. Yeah. You know, I think like I have a, a director friend who is a, just a, such a huge cocktail enthusiast and is always is always texting me about this or that or that new ingredient or this glassware. So I would think all the work that we're doing is hopefully affecting culture on a, on a greater scale and we'll get less of those Jennifer Connelly moments um, and more, I guess, of the Brian Gosling crazy stupid love moments out there. I just think there's something so interesting about those details that hopefully you have writers and directors and producers that get you know really excited and nerdy about like hey this isn't the center of focus but it's still part of the storytelling so we shouldn't just barrel through it well you you know there's a there's another aspect too that i that i'd i'd like to see related to that not just you know part of the storytelling and not barreling through it is a lot of time they'll cast like the bartender is a, it's a one line role and they'll get uh, an actor who doesn't know a hell of a lot about bartending to do it uh, to some, some degree of realism or another. When like right down the street, there's like famous bartenders working. Mm-hmm. This goes all the way right, back of where you could get them to come in and make those drinks and be fabulous. And those in the know would go, holy shit, that's, you know, there's Jeff Morgenthaler uh, dressed up in a little red monkey jacket making uh, like <laughs> this very fabulous blue blazer. You know? Casting directors he's, he's out there, Jeffrey. I would never, I would never available. do that. I would never, I would never make a blue blazer. Dave, you no, know fair that. enough. Well, you know, the production <laughs> company, you say that, but I've done television for, I've never, I've never done film, but you do television. You say, I'll never do this. And next thing you know, there you are with your, right. with your lapel uh, all, uh, <laughs> all up and you're pouring, pouring the, pouring the, the, the flaming goop back and forth. Spanish, so. Spanish coffee is only Dave for all me. All right. Well, okay. Right, okay. Sure. okay. Sure. See, see, uh, that means you got a good agent. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, to that point, Dave, um, I have a very good friend who I, a childhood friend, and he's a a film producer. His name's Fred Berger. He produced um, uh, La La Land. But Mm -hmm. um, our parents are French speaking, and I speak French, and he speaks French. And he produced the movie Seabird um, with Kristen Stewart. Mm -hmm. And at the very end, spoiler alert, but I'm in it at the very end, we shot at the Biltmore, and he said to me, he said, Hey, I need a solid. The last scene, because Jean Seberg, obviously American actress living in France, and there's there's French that Kristen has to speak. And I, you know, I just like I need I need a clutch guy behind the bar serving her. It's like the final moment when mm-hmm. the CIA operative meets her at the bar and hands her the file that he that they have on Seberg because he feels, you know, he feels awful that they've been um, you know, they've been spying on her all mm-hmm. these years. 
And so I did this scene and primarily he asked me to do it because I speak French, not because I was a bartender. Right, right. But in the process of that, I'm behind the bar going like, okay, yeah, let's get a napkin under this martini. Yeah. Uh, okay, hey, actually that's that no, 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 you wouldn't do that with the olive. Who set up and that this was just bar? second nature? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who set up this bar? But um yeah, but that was really fun because I remember I would, you know, make her, I made her a martini and then put it in front of her. I mean, the only, I think the only kind is that me just placing the martini in front of her. So I was hired for my French, not because of my bartending skills, but still. I mean, think of all the famous bartenders that we don't know anything about what they do, you know, or how they did their job because nobody ever filmed them. And right. so many of them <laughs> could have been like dragged in front of the camera, you know like Wes Price, the guy who invented, actually invented the uh, the Moscow Mule. He was the head bartender at the Cock and Bull. I mean, I wish somebody had dragged him in front of the camera, you know, just to, even just in some B-movie to have him make a Moscow Mule for somebody. There's like an actor who's really known for all his dying scenes. I mean, I can't remember the name, but he's in B-movies and whatnot. But it'd be really neat if Jeffrey Morgenthaler was like, the bartender, like this, you just had a whole slew of credits mm -hmm. as the bartender. Actually, I think we should work on that, Jeffrey. I think that'd be super cool. Like, I'm, I'm like the, like the Isaac Washington or the Gopher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funny thing because, like, there are certain characters that break through who are bartenders, mm -hmm. right? Or, or certain movies that be come connected to bartending and for better or for worse, right? I mean, like, you know, it's sort of hard to talk about Hollywood and cocktails and not bring up our old friend 007, right? And his shaken uh, martini, you know, and that has sort of both been a blessing and a curse for bartending and for cocktails in general, I'd argue. But It's so funny that you mentioned that because like when I think of bartending, I don't think of James Bond, but I think when people who are not bartenders think about um going to a bar they think about james bond right like james bond is not a bartender i can't think of really any iconic sort of scenes like when i think about bartending in movies or on tv i think of sam malone mm -hmm. i think of uh tom cruise and cocktail or brian brown and cocktail i think of like uh coyote ugly i think like there's so many moses from the simpsons absolutely moses yeah. now there's the a bartender yeah. he's now a real bartender bartender a very real bartender and and as a guy that that worked down the street from the uh uh bar that was the inspiration for most tavern like i was that guy for a little while you know like mm -hmm. i i worked at that bar basically <laughs> <laughs> You see, like, there's, a, of course, the famous episode of the Flaming Homer. It the all comes back Homer, yeah. to, so to the Flaming Cocktail. Do you do a Flaming Jeffrey? I do a Flaming Dave. It's uh... <laughs> made with oh, cough syrup, just like most. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> it better have a lot it's of a, freaking rum in it. It's, <laughs> it's a, a it's a, it's a blue blazer. <laughs> yeah. It's just a blue blazer. Just call it a Flaming Dave. With a float of a banana a liqueur on top. Mm. That's, no, that's, anything but that. Please, no. It is funny. I mean, it's like, you you know, these people become famous for their bartending roles. But, like, I, I can't really remember, like, a single drink that Isaac makes on the love boat, right? I mean, he's, he's there's, like, I, I'm sure he's dishing out pina coladas and frozen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, like, there's, it's not like... I don't think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but like, does that, that doesn't really inspire people to drink like 
like at the height of the love boat fame were people making like like cruise ship cocktails like when they watched yeah. it like i don't i mean no i mean hollywood uh it's it's funny it doesn't usually affect as far as i can recall i'm i'm, I'm trying to think about this uh it doesn't usually like directly affect uh the drinks people order you know because of the movies it's as much more what the stars are drinking you know and 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 when they're when they're out and about and that stuff really jump starts things every once in a while you get something like that's more from tv like like the uh old-fashioned in uh mad, in, men. Uh, mad men yeah and uh the Cosmo and Sex in the City, but those were were repeated over and over and over again in TV. The Moscow Mule, again, just to, to get back to that, that came straight out of the film uh, community. According to Wes Price, he made the first one for Broderick Crawford, who was a huge star, and that must have been in like ni- early 1942. And then next thing you know, it's getting mentioned as the Hollywood drink, and then it's out and about, and suddenly everybody's drinking vodka. Um, you know, there, there's there's stuff like that that uh, that, that I, I mean, it's not quite the movie community, but the Rolling Stones legendary uh, and legendarily destructive 1972 American tour uh, launched the the uh, Tequila Sunrise again all, yeah. all on everybody uh, because the Stones made it their tour drink and they were drinking it on TV even when they weren't supposed to be and all kinds of stuff like that. So. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff really moves the needle. I think I am contractually obligated to bring up this cocktail, which I think Dave is done talking about, but I have to bring it up, is the Blood in Sand, the Rudolph yeah. Valentino mm-hmm. um, cocktail name for a famous Rudolph Valentino movie, which includes scotch, orange juice, what else? Uh, Cherry hearing and sweet vermouth. Yeah. When, when made right, I like it. Dave... I don't think likes it as much. It's disgusting. It's an absolutely disgusting cocktail. <laughs> a blood and sand. You could put together, pour together every blood and sand that's ever been mixed, and that would fill one swimming pool. You know, right. well, every man, you know, that many. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, rusty nails are probably made in a day True. around True. the world. So it's it's never been a. a a hugely popular drink, but yeah, it's it's definitely a movie drink. Also, like nobody knows anything about it. Like the I remember talking. I think Gary oh, Regan yeah. wrote a piece for me years ago where he, you know, he essentially it's a dead end, right? Like we 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 think it's even named for the movie, but we're not even sure or where it came Maybe from. The book I mean, that the movie came from, right? I mean, it's but, not. Yeah, a- nobody knows who invented it and uh, or what the circumstances were. And occasionally, shit like that comes up. Right. I just found a, a couple of years ago uh something on the bee's knees and the the who invented it and and you know and what the circumstances were and that was like that's a drink that nobody had known anything about i'd never known right. anything about that drink and not and, to and, be not to be too pedantic here guys but like I, I think that we've gotten off track talking about like movie cocktails. Yeah, that's true. Versus versus TV and movie bartending, which is a very different thing. Like, I mean, we could probably go on all day about these historic, co- you know, like, I, you know, and I, I really just want to I just really want to cut in before anybody starts talking about the Vesper. 
um, or, or <laughs> got, before I have to listen there, to you yeah. guys talk about the fucking blood and sand any longer. Yeah. But like, you know, <laughs> it's a very I think it's a very different topic. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, Mad Men is not about bartending. Uh, yeah. Cosmo and Sex and the City is not about bartending. Well, it's interesting, like, per what you were just saying, Jeff, is is maybe, you know, the actually creating a drink, it, there's a step, there's process to it. So when they're shooting, when you're shooting a scene, uh, I mean, maybe sometimes the headache of actually showing that process and then repeating it take after take, um, especially since it's not the center focus, becomes maybe some directors or editors realize, oh, no, that didn't work out. And so they just cut to the moment of like, and here is your cocktail, as opposed to the actual making part. Because in Crazy Stupid Love, and I didn't know this is how it was going to be represented, but it's very much a close-up of the glass and the sugar cube going in and the muddler and the bitters. And, you know, it's, it's very step-by-step-by-step, by step by step, which I think is very cool. But in a lot of films, you know, it's... It's and probably what happened in Top Gun is that it wasn't a center focus in terms of the shot. What's funny about that film is that for all of your efforts and Ryan's efforts, it's just the setup for a funny gag because he spends all this time making mm-hmm. these two beautiful old fashions. Looks like he uses a like a you know big swath of orange peel, right? And what happens? He gives one to Emma Stone. She shoots it back takes his cocktail, also shoots it back. So it's basically almost a gag, right? I mean, it's almost yeah. like the time that he invests in the drink mm-hmm. is the setup for a joke. And, and and so many of like, you know, you think of some like It Hot and some of the early, you know, the Billy Wilder movies, like there's a lot of bartending in quotes there, right? Or drinks. But a lot of it's just, it's for effect. It's like a joke. Like maybe you know, where they're making drinks in thermoses and hot water bags. And it's almost like a setup for, for something else, not, not actually about the make, almost going back to what you were saying about Charlie Chaplin, Dave. To the point of the old fashioned and, and, and the, um, you know, and the, the Vesper, the care, here we the, go. And, and the care that went into that silence, uh, <laughs> the greatest, most iconic bartenders in TV and cinema uh, do it so effortlessly as if they've done it before, or, you know, I don't know if somebody's coached them or if they, they came from tending bar. They do it so effortlessly that we don't even really notice that they're doing it, which is, mm. which is, um, you know, uh, a, a parallel to the greatest bartenders that we know it, it's so effortless you know look like I, I i feel like i learned a lot from watching uh ted danson on cheers you just don't really have any complaints about the way ted danson tends bar because he he does it perfectly the way that tom cruise tends bar in um cocktail you know brian brown uh, tends bar in cocktail is so effortless and smooth and and Again, I don't know if it's if it's coached. They were or coached practice. Like, yeah, within an inch of their lives by the uh, the guy from TGI Fridays. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. Yeah. So they they that. they really they they practice for months to get that down. And those and those are the great bartenders uh, yeah. from from you know and nobody's you know to 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 the earlier point like you know not to not to pick on Jennifer Connelly uh, who you know was fantastic in that movie but like nobody nobody showed her the ropes right and so it it just stood out like a like a sore thumb the 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 bartending just kind of 
and and if somebody had taken five seconds to show her how to just sort of look effortless behind the bar or, to, or even if she had she had taken it on and been like i really just want to know how to be sure. behind this bar and own this bar as my character you look at the credits to any modern movie and it's like the size the the, the list of people totally. is like the phone book of of like a middle american city consultants you know, and yeah thousands of consultants or hundreds totally and, and shouldn't there be, you know, any movie that's got like a bar? I mean, you could have a little bar, you know, just a bartender on staff to say, yeah, don't do it that way. You're going to look dumb. Not to most people, but to some people. Like the Fast and the Furious movies wouldn't be great if somebody didn't, if it was clear that somebody didn't know how to drive a stick shift. Right. right? Yeah. They're like grinding it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. They'd put somebody in there. They'd say, yeah. you how you do this. But you make a great, you make a great point, Jeffrey. It's, it's when it is seamless and it it doesn't steal focus because it's not right that is you know and I've, I've always thought like when guests come into our bar it's not it really is about them it's about the atmosphere in the room and and the cocktails the accompaniment it should be consistent it should be cold it should be executed um, as quickly as possible uh, and served up so that the guests can have their experience so i think referencing some of these great cinematic moments of of cocktail making is is where it doesn't steal focus and uh, it, it doesn't pull you out. It just it just adds to the icing of the story. And if miraculously Jennifer Connolly is listening to this episode of our podcast, I think Jeffrey Morgenthal <laughs> would be happy to teach you how to pour a proper pint. She's yeah. not. She's um, not. <laughs> you know, just just putting it out there into the universe. Ha- so, delighted. You know. Delighted. On that note, we're just. We're just trying to get Jeffrey and my, and we're just all trying to get jobs in Hollywood on this podcast. Right. Exactly. Beer, like, like. <laughs> it's very self-serving. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you both for joining us on, uh, our, on our new podcast. We appreciate, uh, you coming on. Always great to talk with you both. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for waking up, Jeffrey. So happy to be here. I do want to uh, give a quick shout out because we I think we would be uh, remiss if we didn't talk about one of the true great Hollywood uh, movie bartenders. And that's our friend Ted Hay in the movie Superbad. He's in Superbad? Yeah. He's the bartender. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's the bartender <laughs> in Superbad. Ted Hay. They got somebody who Dr. actually cocktail. knew how to mix a cocktail. I mean, maybe not bartend exactly. like the whole Megillah, yeah. but at least he knew how to mix a drink. Thanks for bringing that up, man. You know that Ted Hay, he was one of the first people I met when I came to L.A., when there was this this desert of cocktail culture. And he was one of the first uh, cocktailians out here that I was fortunate enough to be connected with. And to give to give our listeners who, who may not have had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Ted Hay, a.k.a. Dr. Cocktail, he was one of the OG cocktail you know people who help bring back the cocktail his book vintage spirits and forgotten cocktails again was like a seminal text you know that that really brought still is brought i mean it's worth picking up it's still available still is brings together a lot of the information that i mean at the time would have taken a long time if you could ever gather it all yourself into one book and i mean he was one of the people who showed one of the first people to show me the ropes of, uh, you know, kind of the, the 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 cocktail cult, the cocktail world. When I fell into uh, the job writing about cocktails for Esquire decades ago, and he was he was kind enough to like introduce me around and uh, you know keep me from making some really dumb mistakes, and uh, I will always be grateful to him for that.
And uh, and also, I believe it was his graphic design firm that drew all of the penises in that movie. <laughs> well, that Jonah any, Hill anything that was drawn in, in the margins, in any movies worked on. It, any movie in Hollywood yeah. was, was Ted Hay. That's his, yeah. that's his yeah. real yeah. job. So yeah, that's one of his, yeah. Yeah. graphic designer yeah. for movies. Well, well, hopefully this will inspire Hollywood because I'm sure all of Hollywood listens to this. Come back in a couple years and we'll celebrate all of the amazing bartending scenes in American cinema, world cinema, indie cinema. Um, <laughs> and it will we'll be, uh, we'll, we'll drink to that. I just want that line in the credits way down on like, you know, Above craft services, the, scroll, the scroll mixology coordinator, <laughs> right? And then craft services, yeah. Oh my god, you know they're gonna call MC. Oh like god. that. Sign MC, up, you'll be the MC. Yeah, where's our exactly. MC? Exactly, Morgenthaler <laughs> artist. That's, that's what they're gonna call it. <laughs> you'll be the next Foley, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, isn't there one? There's like the second to last cut, right? Is called what, Eric? The martini shot. The martini shot is basically before we all run out for martinis. The director says, okay, like this is the last scene, the martini shot. And I don't know if people actually go for martinis after, but I, I like to think in my mind that like every set in Hollywood, everybody finishes and goes out for a martini. I know plenty of actors and directors and producers that drink martinis. So <laughs> you got to assume they do. <laughs> I've made a ton of them. Well, next time we'll reconvene maybe in Hollywood at the Varnish for uh, some martinis. We'll consider this the martini shot. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fix Me a Drink. Dave and I encourage you to always drink responsibly. Cheers.